Rodanian. A radiator cap is in my top 10 list of, it, it's like my Rodney Dangerfield list of things in auto repair. It, it, they get the least amount of respect. I got no respect at all. I'm going to try and forget you said that. The car doctor. I really understand why nobody trusts mechanics. Uh, the more I'm in this, the more I look at this, and the more I talk to guys in this business, the more I understand why people don't trust mechanics. Mechanics do it to themselves. Welcome to the radio home of Rodanian. The car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, should we activate the cone of silence? Here's Ronnie. I think when I'm sitting in that mechanics old age home and thinking about repairing cars for a living and someone says what was your hardest for car to repair what was the hardest thing about cars to repair i'll always have to talk about this and that is the zen of auto repair and seeing what's not there but what you know is wrong with the vehicle without even knowing it hello and welcome ron and in the car doctor here at 855-560-9900 here to take your calls answer your questions whatever you might be going on or have going on with your automobile if it's a problem give us a shout we'll uh glad to talk to you about it there is more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com our website you can also find links there to tune in iheart.com itunes.com and uh, soon coming to i understand google plus google podcasting we uh, just signed up for that as well once google launches it will be uh, one of the first podcasters uh, google play thank you tony and uh, we'll be talking about that as well so uh, that's upcoming auto repair you know and this is the repair of the week, and I thought it was justifiable because of what it turns into if you listen to the story. Had a customer bring me a 2005 Chrysler Town & Country minivan this week for a heater problem. There was no heat output. And I inquired with the where and the when. I kind of remembered this. He's a regular customer, and his explanation to me was it has no heat. And I said, didn't we block off the heater core in this car? And he said, we did. But he reconnected the hoses, and it wasn't it, it wasn't leaking, but he has no heat. And I'm thinking, how do we go from a, a, a dripping heater core to no heat and no leak, but it doesn't work? The zen of auto repair. You've got to see what's not there, but what you know there's something wrong, and it's never what you think it is quite. So I started to diagnose it. Well, to diagnose this, I there is no leak, and there was no heat output. And something said, you know, let's back flush the core. I attempted to back flush the heater core, but looking in the overflow bottle, I could see the brown residue of something gooey and ugly. And I went, I'm not getting the whole story here. Somebody's added something to this cooling system. Somebody has contaminated the system in an attempt to do a cheap repair and do the Band-Aid on the broken leg. Let's take a look at the heater core. Well, you know where the engineers put the heater core in a 2005 Chrysler Town & Country? They really expected it to go bad. They really did because they put it in the worst possible spot. The only thing they could have done to make it worse would be to take the front fenders off the car in order to get the core out. Well, it's probably not quite that bad. The heater core is down by the gas pedal. So, you know, now I'm not a big guy, but I'm not a tiny guy either. You got to get my 220-pound frame wedged down between the seat, the door post on this side, the steering wheel above me, and you got to kind of get yourself in there. 
and you know you're working with your elbows jammed up and you're trying to, and you got to you know little five thirty seconds and you take the cover off and then you got to take and disconnect the steering shaft the brake booster push rod the gas pedal has to be flattened out and the front valance panel for the dash and then the heater core slides right out how hard could it be the heater core was plugged solid i mean it was just packed with whatever this brand, you know, the bars leak type cooling system sealer, whatever it was, it did a great job of plugging the heater system. Now the problem is, how do I put this $400 heater core, the new one, in the vehicle, knowing that the system is so badly contaminated it ruined the old core? Sometimes the short-term repair does long-term damage, and it's a bigger problem. So what I ended up doing was I hooked up two flush hoses, to the heater hoses where they came into the into the vehicle, and I reverse flushed the entire system out one hose, you know, water in one hose, out and around, and I ran them both until they were clear or as clear as I could get them, and then I proceeded to hook it up. And it added time to the bill, and it added cost to the bill, and that's not so much the point. The point is if you fool around and make changes like that, write it down, have the common decency not to put the mechanic in the dark because if i was the new guy you know and i've gotten calls like that on this radio show where somebody will call up and say you know i took my car to this mechanic and you know i told him it was a heater core but he wanted to go through all these tests or he put a heater core in it because it didn't have heat but then something else went wrong and it's usually tied back to somebody did something that didn't tell somebody and it becomes a whole problem unto itself by the way the heater core kit show you where Chrysler's head is at. It's a two-part kit. You buy the core separate. You buy the heater tubes separate as well. There are two aluminum heater tubes that come out of the core and snake their way around and come out through the firewall. The heater tubes, two aluminum tubes, probably 10 inches a piece long, 10 inches long. The heater tubes were $450 for the pair. They were more money than the heater core kit which had gaskets and plastic panels and switches and knobs and dials and all the things you need to do to make it because it was a little bit of a retrofit type of an upgrade. They must have had a bulletin on this somewhere that we couldn't find talking about problems with installation, and they were trying to make it easier. Bottom line is every repair needs a diagnosis, even the simple ones. When I was done with the 2005 Town & Country, the new heater core, the flushing, fresh coolant, a radiator cap. The radiator cap was coming off in pieces. Put a fresh stamped radiator cap on there naturally to uh, make sure that the system maintains even pressure. And it worked like a charm. When I saw the customer, I said, you know, Dave, I said, I don't understand something. Didn't this start out as a leak? And where'd the bars leak come from? Oh, you know, now that you say that, yeah, he goes... I remember putting some cooling system sealer in there when I hooked the core back up because she needed heat. And it worked, but not for very long. And then we drove around for the past three years with no heat and finally decided we couldn't take it anymore. And and, and that just amazed me, too, because you went three years without heat. And now that it's got 200,000 miles on it, on its last legs, now we're going to fix the heat. So just be mindful. We're going into winter. And uh, I want you to be aware of, if your heat's not working, what you might have to do to go through and fix it. Be mindful also that if you do make modifications and changes to the car, think about what it is that you're doing. Write things down. I'm wiring up a um, set of backup lights right now, 2015 Chevy Silverado. 
and customer supplied the kit, and we're we're mounting them nice, nice. Figured out where to put the lights, and everything's everything is a custom installation, and making that kit work with the existing technology that's in a 2015 Silverado is a little bit of a workaround. And I'm documenting everything along the way. When I hand Eddie his truck keys next week and give it back to him, he's going to get in an, 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 a description and a little written. This goes to this. This went to that. And here are the fuses you need to be aware of. So if this fuse fails, even though the factory diagram doesn't mention it, Ron's diagram will. And that's what's important. You've got to be aware that when you modify something on a car, even from pouring in some simple cooling system sealer, even when you do that, it can still be a problem because as time goes by, the mind doesn't always remember and you forget and it becomes an issue when it comes time for repair and guess who gets stuck holding the boot? The mechanic working on the car. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here. Here to work on your car at 855-560-9900. Here to take care of whatever it is you've got going on under the hood and giving you some uh, giving you some grief, some stop-and-go problems, perhaps. There's more information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com. If you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. And I'll be glad to be here for you and uh, talk to you about your car problem. Coming up down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be welcoming back Tim McDonald. There's a couple of features in Mitchell Manager I want to talk to him about. And uh, we always like to talk to Tim. We highlight uh, the folks over at Mitchell in terms of their repair shop software and what they're doing bringing repair shops forward into this century, uh, both in technology and uh, repair information. So uh, Tim will be stopping by the garage. That's down around the bottom of the hour, but we are going to open the garage doors when the car doctor returns right after this. Car Doctor, let's do a quick piece of email. This comes to us from Ernie in North Carolina. Dear Car Doctor, I've got a late model. What is this? He misspells this word. Oh, this is a this is a late model BMW. Okay, that's what Ernie's talking about. And it's got a spark knock problem, or it had a spark knock problem, Ernie says. And he just wanted to let me know that he narrowed it down to spark plugs. He replaced the spark plugs with Denso Iridium TTs that he hears me talking about. He wanted to let me know that the problem went away. Could I tell him why? Ernie, North Carolina. Um, Ernie, listen, the deal is this, in that, yes, yeah, spark plugs can cause a knock. They can cause all sorts of ignition issues. You don't, you fail to mention, well, you got to get some handwriting here, Ernie. This is, um, this is tough. You could be a doctor. Um, you fail to mention the exact year of the car, but, you know, spark plug technology is such that plugs that are worn, plugs that are uh, partially fouled plugs that don't have the proper heat range. There's a bunch of factors that go into it. can create all sorts of performance issues. One of the nice things about the Denso Iridiums, about the TT plugs, is they are a very exact spark plug by the sense that they are designed for heat range, they are designed for application, and they generally do make a better sandwich, so to speak. It, you, I'm not surprised that you're seeing the spark not go away, and you're also seeing a performance increase, but um, that's that's part and parcel of the product. I would say the reason the problem is solved is that the plugs themselves were worn. The reason also that you're seeing better performance out of the vehicle is because it's Denso Iridium TTs, and uh, all that they do, they are a better spark plug. So um, uh, thanks for letting us and sharing on all that, but um, simple answer, better plug. Let's get over to the phones. Gary, Oakland, Maine. 
see what's going on here with some questions about okay, right. uh, engine flush. Yes, Gary, how can I help you, sir? I've got a 09 uh, Tahoe hybrid, 101,000 miles. Uh, two of the cylinders had uh, uh, fouled uh, the plugs, did a compression test. One's got 50 and the other's got 80. And I guess my question to you is, I heard you talking about uh, using brake fluid as a engine uh, cleaner, flush, and uh, I didn't know if that might de-varnish the cylinder uh, rings. I would think you've got a burnt valve or two here, Gary. What were the compression readings again? Uh, one was 50 and one was 80. Yeah, you know, 50 and 80 is quite a varnished ring. It would be very difficult to determine. You can approach this one of two ways. And let me ask, what were the others? Uh, normal, 130s, I guess. 130s, whatever. 140s, but yeah. you've got two low yeah. cylinders. And they were cylinders numbers which? They, if you, uh, they were on the left bank in the rear. Okay, so they were the back two cylinders in the back? Yes. All right, if it's two adjoining cylinders, there's a possibility this is a blown head gasket. Oh, really? If the cylinders are adjoining, sure. Uh, do you have any sort of coolant loss issues, or I guess you're not really driving nope. the vehicle at this point? Uh, no, but, I mean, I did drive it to my mechanic. And, right. Uh, no no uh, coolant issues or anything like that. Matter of fact, I think this is question number four on the ASE test. The mechanic takes a compression test, and the compression readings are this. Um, what could be the possible causes? If it's two adjoining cylinders, it could be a head gasket. If it's also possible that this is a burnt or a problem in exhaust valves, and it's usually it's an exhaust valve because they get hotter and they're they're exposed to a harsher uh, gas, I guess, for whatever reason. It could also be carbon deposits on the intake. I mean, there's there's a bunch of possibilities. Varnished rings, not 50 pounds. I have a hard time buying that. The next okay. step, the next step the mechanic could go through, have you ever heard of a cylinder leak down test? Uh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Right, you know, cylinder leak down test, it's a very precise tool. You'll put 100 pounds of air into the cylinder through the spark plug hole. The engine will be around on compression. It'll be up top dead center on the uh, spark on the spark cycle. And with both valves closed, if you put 100 pounds in, there should be less than a 10% leak. So it's got to hold 90 pounds or more. Where mm -hmm. it, And it probably won't in your case. So then it's going to be a very easy, where's the air coming out? If it's coming out through the throttle body, it's an intake valve. If it's coming out through the exhaust, it's an exhaust valve and so on. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, if it's quiet on intake and exhaust, you're going to hear it through the oil fill cap, then, yeah, you could try um, brake fluid. I think you're probably at that point of brake fluid anyway, Gary, only because you're at that point of no return. Mm -hmm. If if it isn't a varnished ring, you're going to put a motor in this anyway. Yeah. You know, you, you know at, at, at this age and mileage, you know, it's seven years old. It's got over 100,000 miles on it. I don't think I could recommend just to pull heads and just do heads only because my argument has always been, and you know, I'll get a bunch of mail over this. Uh, my argument has always been if something went wrong with the vehicle at that mileage and it had all its service and maintenance, then what else has the potential to fail? You're halfway there doing heads. Uh, you know, you can look inside that engine compartment and see what's involved. Can you imagine doing two heads and six months from now it has an oil consumption issue? Right. <laughs> then what do you do? Uh, you know, now, yeah. it, now it needs a bottom end. If you're going to do this and hang on to the vehicle, you might as well do it all the way. Yeah. So, yeah. But I would say okay. cylinder leak down test, and if you want to do a brake fluid, a brake flush. But understand, using brake fluid as a flushing agent mm -hmm. is very harsh. 
and yeah. it, it can ruin the motor. But yeah. you're already there. What, uh, what 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 would you recommend for the ratio? Just as a rule of thumb, for, straight. Huh? Oh, just straight. Just oh, straight. Really? Yeah, brake fluid is very caustic. Brake fluid okay. is very very caustic. So I, uh, you know, that is that is my DEFCON one. That is. I'm aware that I could ruin the engine. I'm aware that, you know, I've got no other alternatives. I've looked at all the possibilities, and I will put that in. I will let the engine idle and just sit there and idle. I don't run the vehicle. I'll let it run mm -hmm. upwards of three, four hours, and then I'll do a okay. hot oil change, put fresh oil in it, see if it gets any better. I see. Okay. okay? Thank you very much. You're very Tom. welcome, Gary. Good luck to you. Let's get over and talk to George, Middletown, New York, 2006 GMC pickup. Yes, George, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Oh six fifteen hundred with forty thousand miles on it. Okay, and uh, my undercarriage is rusting out due to the salt spread that we have here in wintertime. Right. Is there anything on the market that can stop the rust or at least slow it down? Depends on how bad the rust is. You know, there's a couple of products out there. You can paint it. Uh, the product from Pour Fifteen works really well. It's a little tedious to work with and. Uh, you know, on an older vehicle, there's a lot of scraping and cleaning that has to be done, and it's it's really a body shop type repair that you're going to find unless you've got um, access perhaps to some, uh, let's say, teenage labor <laughs> that likes to lay under a vehicle and scrape and get rust in their in their hair and so forth. How, how about on. a pressure washer? Would that work? Um, it could. Listen, it couldn't hurt to try, but again, poor 15, you need access to, uh, you know, a vehicle up in the air, tires down and the ability to paint and let the paint dry and then put on several coats and go through that. If you don't want to go through the paint process and and want to just try a product that will prohibit or slow down the rust, there's a product out there called Fluid Film. Fluid Film. Fluid Film. If you're a snowplow guy, if you're out in the snow all the time, you already know what this is. We prep all the plow trucks with it, and it's not so much a rust... It won't, it won't help if the vehicle is already rusted as much as it helps prevent rust from forming. It puts a thin uh, liquid coat of a clear-type gel substance onto the frame, and it's great for reducing corrosion or preventing corrosion from happening. You'll find that if you Google it, Fluid Film, it's a great can, red print, uh, not very expensive. A little caustic. you got to wear a mask when you apply it. But Fluid Film has been out there for a very long time. We've been using it in the shop about five, six years now. And um, it works quite well, so you might want to take a look at that. George, I appreciate the call, and I uh, want to wish you uh, good luck. Let me know what happens. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. You know... I've been repairing cars the better part of 43 years, since 1978, and I've seen a lot of changes, and I've seen some good things, and I've seen some not-so-good things. I've seen the industry evolve to the point that not only is it a very exact industry, and we need proper information, exact information, in order to repair the vehicle, we need that proper and exact information to order parts to repair that vehicle. So anybody that comes along and comes up with a way to make my life easier as a working technician... I just have to spotlight them, and that's what this next segment is all about. We've had Tim McDonald on the show many times already. He's from um, the folks over at Mitchell One Repair Shop and uh, information software for the industry. 
But they've come out with a new feature. They're coming up with a new feature that's being added onto their scheduling module, and we thought we'd have Tim back to talk about it. So we're glad we could uh, get him time out of his busy schedule to do so. Mr. McDonald, and I'll say it like that. Good, sir. How are you? You know, the last time you were on, Tom misspelled your last name. Everybody thought you were the heir to the McDonald's French fry uh, fortune. But uh, I've I've assured them that uh, your check wouldn't clear. (laughs) Appreciate that. Well, not a problem. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the uh, next upgrade for Manager SE and um, what's going on here. I appreciate your interest and uh, excitement level. Uh, we probably would have gotten to this last time we got into our, our protoman segment there pretty well. Yeah. Uh, what's happening, um, it, it's a logical extension of, of giving your service information in the moment so that you can do your job faster and provide better service to your customers. And it's simply this. Instead of having to remember a 17-digit VIN and go out and fetch that, we are now using plate-to-VIN decoding. So it's simply a matter of putting in the license characters, along with the state, of course, and it will return that VIN number and then in turn decode that to give you your make, model, engine, body style information so that you can order your parts properly. Because that has got to be the biggest pain in the neck, and I'll say neck because this is family radio, yeah. uh, you know, and you're off one digit. And, you know, one of the nice things about SE uh, 6.5, was it, Tim? Where it would de- it would decode the VIN, but you know, or yes. maybe it was earlier than that. But you know, just decoding the VIN into you know not very general, but actually very specific year, make, model information. But now, you know, writing that VIN down if you didn't get it right, you just you know, it, it just created a whole pile of problems because yeah. in so many applications now, every time we go out to use an electronic catalog, look at me, I'm convincing you why you need to do this. What well, you already did, <laughs> you know, we go out to use the catalogs whether it be mm-hmm. WorldPack or Delco or any of the uh, uh, other cataloging to order parts, they always look at the VIN. If we've got the VIN in there wrong, uh, you know, we miss a digit or we make a, a zero and O or, uh, you know, a one and L or something like that, all sure. of a sudden it's five minutes out of your day. And, That's right. And, and, and it's a problem. Exactly. And so you, the ability to do the VIN decoding is wonderful, but the, the simple fact is it's easier for your for you to remember a license plate or ask your customer if they're coming in for the first time. Or even cooler still, as you look out the window and you spot that license plate as it's coming in, and you can pipe it in, hit the look-up button, and blam, get all the details before they even walk in the store. I think that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And that's you know what? That shows them. That's impressive. That shows what a competent shop and what an up-to-the-minute shop that facility is. Let me ask, sophisticated tools, yes. Let me ask you this. How do you do it? What's going on behind the scenes? As far as well, I type in a plate one two three four A B C D New Jersey. How does oh, that the process? Yeah. Well, what what it's going to do is go out and look to our providers' data, and it's like a clearinghouse. It says, okay, according to DMV records, that license plate belongs with this VIN, and this VIN decodes to be this vehicle's details. And the beauty of it is, we can address it whether the because it does vary by state. Does the plate stay with the vehicle, or does it stay with the customer? So in the instances where that plate belongs to the customer and the, the plate might have been moved, it's going to say, hey, is that the uh, Buick Enclave or is it the Volkswagen Beetle? All right, I see it's a Beetle, blang, we're done. Wow. Yeah. Um, what, what else is in this next release that we missed the last time? Because it seems like there's more and more here. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. Oh, Ron, 
we could take all day. Um, there's so many little nuances. You know, we, as I said probably last time, we've convinced the developers that if somebody's using this software and doing processes 50 or 100 times a day, there's a lot of little nuances. In fact, now, if you go F6 key to start a new estimate or order, you're going to have visibility to the first name field. Wow. Yeah. Now, is that is that already in the program, or is that coming with the next release? Uh, coming to a theater near you, that's actually in the preview version that I'm working on right now. I've got to tell you, the Apex, we, we've never had that level of excitement. I couldn't even get away to have lunch. We were covered up back-to-back, solid gold. And I'm actually working on the videos right now. I'm editing the audio for the, uh, the schedule we talked about uh, last week. See, people, you know, unless you do this for a living... And, and utilize the program and try to buy parts, they don't realize the, it's the little things. The last release where you highlighted the VIN, the 17-digit VIN, and you highlight, now you highlight the last eight digits? Yes, easier to read. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you know, and because every, every dealership, you call up for dealer parts on something, they want either the last eight or the last nine. If they want the last eight, they're highlighted. If they want the last nine... You, you just look one digit to the left, and you go, it's nine, one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, it's... Exactly. It, and this this idea came from our shop management users forum. And it's just like, hey, that's, that would make your lives easier. Then that's something we should implement. You know, that that ability to highlight the VIN, how can I explain this? In my mind, that was as simple as, you know, it's like one of those things you expect to see on TV at 2.30 in the morning. Like, you know, you know, yeah. 500, 500 ways to walk your dog without going outside in the rain by this leash and it automatically walks the animal and it comes yeah. back all on its own, that type of thing. You know, just send yeah. your just send your money order to box post office box one, two, eight Fairfield, New Jersey kind of a thing. Right. You know, it's, it's just that simple. It's just and that's what and what customers for the listeners out there, their takeaway from all this is the more efficient we can make the repair shop the more efficient we can make that shop in repairing the vehicle, the faster the customer gets it back and the more accurately and the more efficiently it's repaired. Right, and you get more time to build relationships instead of sweating the details. Right, yeah. I I can't remember the last time I saw one, but every once in a while I'll get a new customer coming in and they'll show me the piece of paper that the last guy wrote. Did I tell you he wrote it? And, um, you know, a handwritten invoice. Handwritten invoices have just disappeared dramatically. It uh, is the 21st century. Yeah, it really is. It's it's just gone away. Listen, before I let you go, um, you know, you, you talk about how the industry has evolved and what the, what the software has become. I've got an invoice in the shop. It's for the spring special on a 1939 Plymouth. And it talks about how they grease the leaf springs, change the spark plugs, <laughs> lubricate all the body bolts, lubricate and tighten all the all the fittings, and they go through this whole plethora of, of services. It's right. $6. Yep. There's no sales tax. It's dated one week before Pearl Harbor. Wow. Okay? And it's typed. That's amazing. I, you know, I actually had somebody, I let them read it, and this is why I thought you'd get a kick out of it, that I let them read it, and I go, what do you think of this? And they go, oh, you know, it looks okay. Like, they didn't get it. And they said, I said, they go, it's so neatly done. And I said, yeah. I said, how do you think they did that? And he said, what do you mean how they do that? The computer did a very good job. I said, have you looked at the date on the invoice? <laughs> you know, it says, it's, it's, it's December 1st, 1941. And he's like, 
Oh, yeah, you can hear the wheels turning. We just take computer invoicing for granted for so granted. much so now. Um, but exactly. yeah, that's that's hanging in the shop. I'll uh, I'll save it that's for you when you when you and Mister Doulette come out to New Jersey. That's a trophy. So, all right, sir. Listen, I appreciate your time. Where can the listeners get more information, as always, with regards to Mitchell One and their products? It's very simple, Ron. Go to MitchellOne.com, and you can click on products or support, and you can also join us seven days a week on ManagerForum.net. Hey, listen, we're looking forward to the next release. We're going to talk again real soon. You take good care. You too. Thanks. You're very welcome. I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here to talk to you at 855-560-9900, the Car Doctor's 24-7 number if we're not on the air. And you call, leave a message. Fast Harry, our producer, will call you back and get you in queue for the following week. Let's get over to the phones and talk to Michael in South Glen Falls and some conversation here about Tesla. Michael, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, I was wondering what your opinion was on the Tesla. I like Tesla. I think what he's doing is admirable. Um, But my argument about hybrid or electric or an alternative fuel vehicle, whatever flavor you want to think about is specifically is repairing it because ultimately everything breaks and you know no matter how much we like it that shiny new car in the driveway five years from now two years from now one year from now isn't so shiny and new anymore and you know the problem becomes who's going to fix it and what's it going to take i think what tesla's doing is great i think in order for it to really be a society changer it's got to be around thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars, so it's priced more for the masses, and they're working on that. I think they've got a version of vehicle like that right now, and I think in time we're going to see that. To me, it's a very Star Trek way of looking at things. But for now, if you're the, you know, if you're a Harry homeowner, the average, you know, American, four kids, two cars, in college debt, yada yada yada. I don't know if Tesla's for you. Uh, you know, I always tell people when you're buying a car, I don't care what it is. You've got to figure out who's going to fix it. If you live next door to the Tesla dealer, that's ah, great. If you live in South Glen Falls, New York, and the nearest Tesla dealer is 500 miles away, that's eh, not so good. And, you know, that kind of becomes an issue. You've always got to think of it like this. There are houses out there with asphalt roofs, you know, regular shingles, and then there yep. are houses out there with roofs made of copper that require a special technician to service and repair them. So when you're buying a Tesla... You're buying a house with a copper roof. You always got to think who's going to work on it, and can they? And if they can't, yeah, well, then what happens? Well, I'll be working on it myself because I'm a certified Chrysler mechanic anyway. It'll be a little bit different for me, but not all that bad. Right. Uh, you know, and then what's there to work on with it? And then the other argument, you know, the other argument, Michael, becomes what about special tools? You know, you, you know what it is to buy tools and have special tools. You're a Chrysler tech. Uh, you're going to buy all the tools necessary to work on the Tesla, one Tesla? That's kind of an issue, no? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know how much tools are going to cost. That's a big factor. Right. So, but um, listen, I, I, I wouldn't knock Tesla. 
I think what they're doing, I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying I wouldn't knock Tesla. I think what they're doing is great. I just think you've got to go into it with eyes wide open and be aware of what you're getting yourselves into. Um, you know, but I would take a Tesla over quite a few cars in this day and age if money wasn't an issue and I wanted something to uh, to just kind of, you know, tool around in. So I see them out on the road. They look really great. I appreciate the call, Michael, and uh, good luck to you and uh, everybody up there in South Glen Falls. Uh, you have a good rest of the weekend. Let's get over and talk to Tom in Rockland County, New York, a return call. Tom, we talked about this a couple of months back. You have the uh, 86 Corvette with the hard start issue, and I understand it's fixed now. What was the problem? You know, what would happen is, you know, it started out as a 350, and I, and I I detonated it. I had a uh, Paxton on it, and it detonated and blew out two pistons. So while I had the engine apart, stroked it to a 383. Right. And put the Paxton back on. I'm running between five and seven pounds of uh, pressure. The car was running great. It was no problem. All of a sudden, one day, I drove the car. I shut it off. I went to turn it on about two hours later. And was hot starting. And once I got it started, I had to keep my foot to the floor to to, to let it keep running. It would stall out. So I said, oh, you know, maybe it's the fuel pump. So I changed the fuel pump. And then I changed the uh, the filter, too, at the same time. And I even changed the gas line. Then I gave you guys a call. I was in desperate need of help. And you guys told me that, you know what, Tom, the wires might be getting too hot. Do you remember the call now? Vaguely, yeah, over the summer. Yeah, over the summer. So... We separated the wires, isolated wires, and then still had the same problem. And about a month ago, you know, talking to a couple of guys, I was getting uh, I was getting gas at my favorite gas station. Forgot to put the gas cap back on. And on the Corvette, it's kind of hard to do because you put the gas cap right on the side. Right. But I put it up on top of the pump, and I drove away. And I said, I, I tried shutting this car off. I shut it off, and about an hour later, I turned it on. car was running fine. Interesting. Well, you know what, Tom? It's always the last place you look, but uh, I can honestly say I'm glad you got it solved, and uh, I appreciate the call back. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini, the car doctor here. Let's uh, do a quick piece of, well, this is a follow-up email, and I, and I have to make this comment. A, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Ken from Syracuse, New York, and he had the late model Firebird that had the issue with the lifter noise, and part of my recommendation for a prescription for Ken was to run a little bit of automatic trans fluid through the engine, drain a little bit of oil out of it, put some ATF in it, drain the engine, quiet down the lifter noise, uh, because my argument is ATF is a very high detergent fluid. It always has been. That's the way I was taught. Received an email from a listener, and I don't disparage anybody's comments. He's a chemist, and he presented proof that he's broken down ATF and that it has no cleaning qualities in it whatsoever, and that the myth of using trans fluid to clean up varnish is just that, a myth. And we had some exchange between ourselves and uh, had the conversation. And I, I pointed out to him, as I point out to you here, it doesn't matter to me what the laboratory says. You know, when I tell you this works, it's not something I did yesterday and I only did once. If I tell it to you here on air, I've done it more than a few times, and um, I can tell you with clear conscience that ATF has been solving sticky lifter issues and varnish issues 25, 30 years 
with no downside to it. You know, it's just as I say. So I get it. I respect what the laboratory says. But I also am a firm believer these many years repairing cars like I have seen what I've seen, that sometimes it's got to be firsthand experience that saves the day and tells the tale and repairs the car. And that's what it's all about. Back to the email real quick. Ken wrote up, Ron, as a follow-up, after your suggestion regarding trans fluid and using the motor medic for carbon clean system, I left the car for two weeks while out of town. When I returned, I started it, and it just burst to life, smooth as could be, not a sound from my lifters. Thanks again, uh, Ken from Syracuse. You know what, Ken? I appreciate the follow-up, and I'm always glad to hear that something worked, and uh, the fact that the motor medic kit, the Fuel Pro Complete, worked as well. So I'm glad to hear that. I hope the bird runs for a very long time and uh, it gives you a lot of pleasure. Till the next time, I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor, and I'm reminding you good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya!